0: You're listening to the Revolution Church Podcast. To learn more, including our gathering times in Crossville, Tennessee, visit us at CrossvilleRevolution.com. Well, we're in the seventh week of our series called Battle Ready that's all about spiritual warfare. How many of you guys have enjoyed this series? Raise your hand. Awesome, right? Incredible series. What we're doing, if you're new or you're checking us out online, uh, we're going verse by verse through Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. That's all about the armor of God and all about spiritual warfare. This week, I watched one of my favorite mobster movies. And in this movie, uh, someone gets put into what's known as the witness protection program. And the reason they were put into that program is because the mob boss that they were going to testify against was doing everything he could to find them so that he could kill them and they wouldn't testify against him and be a witness in court. Well, what we've been trying to teach everybody during this series is every single one of us that have been saved by the blood of Christ, we are witnesses against Satan and his demons. We have a Testimony to share against the enemy. And the enemy, Satan, is going to do everything he can to kill, steal, and destroy in our lives and kill our testimony. Let's go back and read through where we've been so far in this series and start in verse 10. And then let's end up where we're going to end up today is the sixth piece of armor, the last piece of armor, even though technically technically it's the last piece. I really think prayer is another piece of the armor. We'll go over that in two weeks. Uh, but let's take a look, and we'll end up talking about the sword of the Spirit today. In Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 10. Y'all with me? Saying I am. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. And then we get into these pieces of armor. Here we go. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, and then today this is what we're going over, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. First notice that out of all six pieces of armor, The only piece of armor that is mainly an offensive weapon is the sword of the Spirit. This is the piece that we're talking about today that we can use offensively to attack the enemy and advance on the enemy. Now, when it comes to the Word of God, I'd like to point out How in every single previous week where we've talked about every other piece of armor, we have included the importance of the Word of God and how connected to that piece of armor is. If you remember when we talked about the belt of truth, we defined putting your belt of truth on in three ways. We said number one, you tell the truth, live a life of integrity and character and tell the truth. Number two, you have a relationship with who we refer to as truth incarnate Jesus. And then number three, we live our lives a According to the truth of God's word. And week number three is actually week number three, the breastplate of righteousness. We define putting your breastplate of righteousness on in two different things. As two different things. Number one, you're right with God through Jesus. And number two, you live right. According to what God's word in the third or fourth week, I'm sorry because we had one week where we unpacked, so I'm getting it mixed up. The fourth week, the third piece of armor were the shoes of peace. Uh, Jeff, our Rev. Men's Minister, did an incredible job unpacking that. And essentially, what Jeff taught us was you can't have peace without trust that comes from knowing the word of God. When we talked about the shield of faith, one of the major points we honed in on was our shield of faith must be soaked in God's Word so that we can extinguish the fiery arrows of the enemy. Helmet of salvation last week, we talked about how putting your helmet of salvation on means having an assurance of the completion of your salvation that is based on what the Word of God says. Y'all, in this series alone, including today... We've had over 91 different passage or scripture references alone. What does that mean? Everything we believe and everything we do as Christians is based off what the word of God says. Spurgeon was quoted as saying, we must go to heaven with our sword of the spirit in hand all the way. Two things I want you to remember about the sword of the spirit today. They're really basic points. Uh, Some of these things you've kind of heard preachers say before if you've ever been in church, but they're so important. And I think by the end of today, we're going to tie this thing together really beautifully. Number one, y'all with me? Say, I am. To wield the sword effectively takes training. To wield the sword effectively takes training. When Paul was referring to the armor of a Roman soldier, what he was referring to when he talked about a sword was a Roman gladius. And this is a pretty good little replica right here of a Roman gladius. It was typically about 18 inches. Uh, to uh, two and a half feet in length. And it really looked more like a dagger than it would like a samurai sword or a big Viking sword that we know of today. It was double-edged, which meant both sides were sharp. And this was really designed, again, not for far away combat. They had other weapons for that, like arrows and spears and different things. This was designed for up-close, hand-to-hand combat is what the sword was used for. Now, obviously, master swordsmen weren't just born. And so when it came to Roman soldiers, it took intense training and it took intense discipline to be able to learn how to most effectively use this sword when the enemy was up close and personal with them and they were fighting. So it took hours. In fact, Roman soldiers would spend hours and hours and hours Training with all the different pieces of armor, particularly their shield and different things like that. But probably the one they spent the most training on was the sword. Hours every single day practicing. Well, as Christians, we, we have to practice with the Word of God. It takes training to be able to effectively use the Word of God in the most effective manner when it comes to spiritual warfare three different ways that we train with our sword of the spirit in order to fight the enemy and again these are kind of basic, but we're going to tie it together at the end. Number one, we study the Word of God. Everybody say, study. Study. We study the Word of God. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles, listen to what it says, the Word of Truth. The King James Version gives a better translation when at the end of that verse, it says, we study to show ourselves approved. Psalm chapter 1 verse 2 says, but delight in the law of the Lord and on his law meditate day and night. A word picture for the Hebrew word that's used for meditate, we meditate on the word. The word picture that I would give you for that is it's like a, cha- a cow that is chewing cud. If you don't know anything about cows, they have multiple stomachs and what they do is They get some cut in their mouth, some grass or some straw or something, and they chew on it and they swallow it and they digest a little bit of it and then they regurgitate it back up into their mouths and they chew on that cut a little more to get more nutrients out of it. They swallow it again and they digest some of those nutrients. They throw it back up in their mouth and they chew on that cut. That's what we do with the word of God. Even though you've only read it, already read it one time, you've already chewed on it once, you chew on it again. You're constantly looking for more nutrients out of God's word, which means we're constantly studying the word of God. Studying means that you know the context of scripture that's written in, you know the genre that it's written in, you know the real meaning behind what God is trying to say when he writes those things out in scripture. Why? Because it's really easy to take pretty scriptures out of context to make it agree with whatever agenda you have. You ever notice that? I mean, the reality is anyone can pull a scripture out of context to make it agree with anything they want, and this is why we study, so that we know what God is really saying when he writes the word. Last year, we did a series where we went verse by verse through the book of Philippians, and we called the series Finding Joy. And when we got to the verse that is probably the most misquoted and pulled out of context verse that there is, which is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, we found something out. Typically, that verse is used when somebody's like trying to bench press 500 pounds or somebody's trying to make a bunch of money. They're like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which there's nothing wrong with that, but it's clearly that person's agenda, right? When we studied that scripture in context, what we understood was it had nothing to do with your agenda. What the context of that scripture was actually talking about was you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you that he's called you to do, even if you don't want to do it and even if it's hard you can do God's will because Christ gives you strength. This is so important. It's so important because when you go to church and you hear sermons and you see clips on Instagram and you're watching sermons on YouTube and different things like that, you need to have discernment that comes from studying because not everybody gets it right, y'all. In fact, when I get up here and preach, listen to me when I say this, you need to back up everything I teach you by studying it on your own because I'm sure I've made mistakes. Men make mistakes when they're teaching the word of God. How many of y'all know that's true? Say amen. I'm not perfect, okay? One person taught the word of God perfect, and he's in heaven now waiting on us to come up there. That's Jesus, okay, y'all? So one theologian said that when preachers preach, it's like drinking water out of a lake. Yeah, there's water in there, but there's probably some bacteria, a little bit of mud, you know what I mean? That's what it's like. So you've got you to study and make sure you know. Think about this. Who's the being on this earth that knows every doctrine, every scripture better than anybody else? Satan. Satan knows it better than any of us. He's heard it all. He's taught it all. He knows it all. We're going to see as we go through this sermon, this is the reason why we study. This is the training that we go through. Number two, We have memorization. We memorize scripture. Listen to Psalm 119, 11. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Proverbs chapter three, verses one through two. Listen to what this says. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. In Colossians chapter three, verse 16 in the New Testament, it tells us that we're to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We need to take a page out of our brothers and sisters that are in countries where it's illegal to own a physical Bible. What do they have to do? They can't have a physical Bible so they have to hide the scripture in their heart where no one can take it from them. So we memorize scripture and this is going to come in handy. We're going to tie this together with the second point. Number three, We use the Bible and the Word of God as a guide in our life. It's training. We get better at it. The more we use the Bible as a guide in our life, the better we get at it. Listen to Psalm 119, 105. Your Word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. Now, when we use the Word of God as a guide in our lives, we need to understand that the Word of God is not like a crystal ball where we see everything that's going to happen in the future. God gives us a heads up on all the hard stuff that's coming our way. It says that the Word of God is a lamp to our feet. It's a lamp to our feet. As you guys can tell, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really good with fashion, as you can tell. And uh, <laughs> thank you for laughing at me. I appreciate that. Uh, appreciate that. Y'all are always boosting my confidence, you know what I mean? And unless you're sitting on like the first couple of rows, then you can't tell that not only am I blessing you with what I'm wearing from here up, right? I've also got uh, the trendiest shoes that there are on the market. Everybody know what these are? Got my Crocs. I'm rocking my Crocs. If you don't know uh, what Crocs are. Uh, they are some of the most comfortable shoes, and I really, really love them. Well, uh, I'm going to put this on in a minute. When I put it on, I'm going to put it in a four-wheel drive, okay, y'all? This is two-wheel drive. This is a four-wheel drive right here. It locks you in. Everybody knows that, right? I'm just making sure. I know you've seen the memes on it, but... If you didn't know this about Crocs, on the top they've got these little holes and these little things that are on here, I got a pair of Jordans, a couple of office little gibbets as they call it. You can put gibbets in there and kind of personalize uh, your Crocs. Well, the other day, I got to put my other one in four-wheel drive too, okay, so everybody just wait on me. Y'all with me? Say I am. The other day I found a gibbet that was actually a little light that goes on the front of your Crocs. You guys get all the lights for me, please. Get all the lights for me. Uh, they're going to turn them all off, okay? And, uh, and what I want to do is I'd like to give you guys a visual of what that Scripture means. See, look, we want the Bible to be like... <laughs> I'll wait till you quit laughing, okay, y'all? We want Scripture to be like a psychic for us and tell us where we're where we're headed and everything's going to be okay and how long we're going to live and all this stuff. But that's not the way the Bible is. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's not a spotlight. It doesn't show you a hundred miles down the road. It shows a couple steps. It's like right here if everybody can see it. You can see a couple steps. We use it as a God in our life. And yes, there are those things in scripture that tell us straight up, hey, you know, don't have sex before you're married, don't lie, don't commit adultery, don't murder somebody. And then there's those other things that we use biblical principles to make decisions. I was talking to somebody one day, they're like, Where where, where should I go to school? I could pretty much go anywhere if I get alone, and I'm like, well, you need to go to the word of God. What does the word of God say about debt? What does it say about being a good steward? Also, you need to consider your parents because you want to honor them because they're not in good health. So don't move too far away. And so the word of God guides us, and it's a lamp unto our feet, much like my crock lights are here. You guys can turn the lights on. Does that make sense to everybody? But it takes training. We've got to do it over and over and over. And I'll turn these off so I don't blind the people on the front row. I think one of them came back on last service. Well, we're going to leave that one on. It'll just have to stay on. We use it as a guide. Listen to James chapter 1, verse 22. Be doers of the word. And not just hearers only, because if you do that, you're deceiving yourselves. It takes training to wield the sword of the Spirit effectively. I've used this as an example in a sermon before when I was talking about the sword of the Spirit. And I keep it in my office. And uh, uh, the other day, uh, Jackie Dunn, who is our uh, Rev Kids minister, her son, I think he's about five years old. His name's Lucas, one of my best buddies in the church. He came into my office and he saw this. Everybody know what this is? Everybody knows what this is? Here, here this will tell you. There we go. Everybody know what this is? Say it on the count of three, one, two, three. Lightsaber, okay. He said Darth Vader. You've got to be so specific, right? But, uh, but somebody gave this to me and I keep it in my office. And as soon as Lucas came into my office and saw that, what do you think he did? He did what every other male that has ever walked in my office has done. He was like, that's so cool. He picked it up, figured out how to turn it on, and then he's over here playing with it. You know what I mean? Every, I don't care if you're 80 in here. If you see this thing sitting in the corner of my office, you're going to pick it up, and you want to turn it on, and you're going to kind of play with it a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And have a good time. And as I was watching Lucas play with this lightsaber, this sword, I thought to myself, man, that's what a lot of Christians do. A lot of Christians view the Word of God as a toy. Every once in a while we see it sitting in the corner and we get it out. And and, and quite honestly, we look ridiculous when we're playing with it because we don't know how to wield it. We're just having a good time with it. You you come to church, I think the average now is 1.3 times a month if you're committed. That's committed people in here. Oh, I don't come to church. I come to church more. No, you don't. No, you don't. Think about it. Next year, start marking off the days that you don't come on Sunday because you're shopping or you got travel ball or what. One point, I'm not judging you. I'm just saying 1.3 times a month, and that's all the Bible you're getting? You're not getting any? Just, just playing with it. Listen, you're going to have to make a decision about what is going to be the thing that influences and guides your life. This is why we train with the Word of God. We study, we memorize, and we use it as a guide in our life. Secondly, Secondly, and this point is going to sound redundant uh, because we've used this point with a couple other pieces of armor, uh, but it absolutely, if for any piece of armor, it's true for this one. The sword is active, not stationary. The sword is active, not stationary. Every other piece of armor, maybe with the exception of the shield of faith, even though most of the time it does stay stationary, every other piece of armor is fixed in place. It doesn't move. You put your breastplate on, it stays right on you. Your belt stays. Your shoes stay. Your shield, yeah, you use it as an... We talked a little bit about using it as an offensive weapon and the tortoise formation and different things like that, but it never really leaves your arm. The sword is the one piece, the one weapon that you use, and you're constantly using it. It stays active the entire time. The best way for me to explain how the store the sword stays active and we use the sword of the Spirit is to explain to you the Greek word that's used in Ephesians chapter 6 for the Word of God. And in order to explain that, I've got to explain to you, along with that word, the other two words that are used in the New Testament to describe the Word of God. So over the next 10 minutes or so, kind of hang with me. We're going to get a little theological here, but I think by the time we get to the end of this, this is going to make great sense. Three words that are used to describe the Word of God in the New Testament. The first one is the word graphy. Everybody say graphy. Graphy, okay? May sound familiar. It's where we get the word graph from, where we're plotting things out. When the word "graphy" is used in the Greek in Scripture, it's literally talking about the books of the Bible or the canon of Scripture, if you remember that from the cult series that we did, or the writings of Scripture, or a physical Bible that you are holding in your hand. That is graphi. This Greek word is used in a few different places in the New Testament. For instance, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that says all Scripture is good to be taught and, uh, for a reproof and different things like that. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, graphy is used there. And the thing about graphy that we need to be careful of is the Bible makes clear in the New Testament that we've got to be very careful not to have superstitions around having physical Bibles. What I mean by that is some people would say things like, you know, if I keep my Bible on me, I feel like I'm safe. Uh, Maybe you've got a daughter in here like I do. She's 15 years old. One day she's going to go on a date and you're going to look at your daughter one day and say, I want a Bible sitting on the car seat in between you and your date so that if he touches you, he's got to go over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to get to you, right? (laughs) Well, that's ridiculous you know, that's ridiculous. That's superstition. Because a physical Bible is just paper and printed words. Graphy is graphy whether you use it or not. The idea is like when you go to court and you put your hand on the Bible and you say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I get the symbolism of that, right? I get the idea. But plenty of people have put their hand on that Bible and they've lied through their teeth in court. And so, so Graphy is the physical Bible, and the point is this, and we're going to try to make this very clear. You can own hundreds of printed physical Bibles and not have the sword of the Spirit in your life. You can keep one on you at all time and not be using the sword of the Spirit the way the Bible says we're to use it. The next word that's used to describe the Word of God in the New Testament is the word logos. Everybody say logos. Logos it may sound familiar. It's where we get the word logic from. And when the Bible talks about logos, it's talking about the overall message of the Bible. Now, side note on the logos, the only way you can understand the overall message of the Bible is through the revealing power of the Holy Spirit. I say that because it drives me absolutely insane. Uh, For instance, in certain political movements, there's Mormons. uh, Glenn Beck, he's a Mormon, right? There's certain Jewish people that aren't Messianic Jews that try to start revivals and teach the Bible. And it's like, they don't even have the Holy Spirit because they haven't been saved. How can they teach the Bible? Jordan Peterson right now, he's not even a Christian, hasn't accepted Christ, does not have the Holy Spirit. And he's doing a Bible study online and it drives me absolutely insane. In order to truly understand the logos or the message of the Bible, you've got to be saved and you've got to have the Holy Spirit. Now, the message of the Bible, the logos of the Bible, is a person, spoiler alert, and his name is Jesus. The whole Bible is about Jesus. The whole message of the Bible leads up to and is all about Jesus. How do we know this? Well, in John chapter 1, Jesus is actually referred to as the logos. Listen, in the beginning was the word. Guess what Greek words used there? Logos. The message of the whole Bible, the logos of the whole Bible is Jesus. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Hebrews chapter 4, gives us a little more insight into the sword of the Spirit and how the Logos is connected to the sword of the Spirit. Listen to what it says. For the word of God is alive and active, listen to this, sharper than any double-edged sword. What kind of sword are he referring to? A gladius double-edged sword of a Roman soldier, ties directly to Ephesians chapter 6. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now, when it comes to logos, it's not the word that's used in Ephesians chapter 6. So understand this. You can have great understanding of the message of the Bible. You can be saved. You can study scripture. You can have it memorized. You can know the genres and all that stuff, but still not be using the sword of the Spirit to fight the enemy. The reason is, is because the word that is used in Ephesians chapter 6 for the word of God is the Greek word rima. Everybody say rima. rema." I don't know what word that translates into in English. I do know every once in a while I look at my kids and say, I'm going to ream your butt out, boy, if you don't stop. You know what I mean? Maybe that has something to do with it. But Rema refers to, quite simply, the spoken word of God. In other words, scripture that is spoken out loud. Let me make a couple of clarifying statements just to try to reiterate what I've said here. Graphi, the first word we talked about, is the message written down. Logos is the message that's given, and Rema is the message that is spoken out loud. In other words, you have the Bible, which is Graphi, you understand the Bible, which is Logos, and you use the Bible, which is rema. Some Christians own several physical Bibles or they've downloaded several Bible apps on their phone and they've got it on them, but it doesn't help them at all in spiritual warfare, if that's all you've done. Some Christians get caught up in, I like what one theologian said, they get caught up in Logos land. They want to know the Greek and the Hebrew and they get doctorates and theology and all these different things. Typically reformed people usually kind of lean this way and it's all about knowledge and intellectualism and they've, they've got it in their mind. They know a lot about scripture. But if that's all you got, it doesn't help you at all when it comes to spiritual warfare. The spoken word of God Rema is what quickly plunges into the enemy when you're in close hand-to-hand combat and he's attacking and draws blood. If you remember when we talked about the shield of faith, there was one verse of scripture that we really unpacked with the shield of faith. A major point was made on it in Romans chapter 10, verse 17 that says, so then faith comes from, what y'all, hearing and hearing through The word of God. Guess what word is used there? Rema. The word of God. The spoken word. This is even talked about in the Old Testament. Even though it was written in Hebrew, the word Rema is not used. But listen to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. You guys know this verse. Keep this book of the law always on, not your mind, not your heart, your lips. On your lips and then look at how we apply it and we train with it. It even includes that. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be, be careful to do everything written in it. You're using it as a guide. You're meditating on it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, there is a connection between the message of the Bible, the Logos, and the spoken word, the Rima. As one theologian puts it, and just a side note for you, one that is not familiar with the Logos, in other words, you haven't studied, you haven't memorized, you haven't used the Bible as a guide in your life, one that is not familiar with the Logos can misinterpret or misunderstand what he or she perceives to be Rima or the spoken word of God. What am I saying? If you are totally inept biblically, you don't know anything about theology, you've never studied, you've never done anything, someone will get up and preach a sermon and you'll think it's the word of God, but it's completely wrong. This is how things like the prosperity gospel, poverty gospel, salvation by works, this is how those types of things get started because people don't understand what they're hearing. They think it's the word of God, but it's not the word of God because they haven't studied, and they don't understand the Logos. Make sense to everybody? Say amen. amen. See, there is there's a built-in safeguard for Rima, and it is the Logos, the Word of God, the message of the Bible. In other words, the Word of God is what filters our thoughts. Uh, if you're ever in a church and you hear a prophecy the Word of God is what we use as the filter if you ever hear a prophecy. If anyone ever comes up to you and says, I've got a word from God for you, you use Scripture as a prophecy. When we talk about walking in the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit, which is essentially the same thing, walking in the Spirit in the book of Ephesians, uh, meant we use the Bible as the guide for that. It's the filter for those things. Because as we've taught on the Holy Spirit several, several times, We've told y'all the Holy Spirit will never, never lead you to do something that the Bible does not confirm. Always use the Word of God. When you think about the Word of God, you know, in the church, we debate theology and we debate doctrine. We, We talk about denominations and we can talk to death about belief systems and methods. But think about the spoken Word of God. The rima. I mean, technically, you could say all we got to agree on is a translation. But when it comes to the spoken word of God, there's no debate. It's simply truth that's set forth that we fight the enemy with and we gain ground with. Listen to Psalm 119:9. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Why is it important? And what is the relationship between understanding the message of the Bible and speaking the Bible out loud. Well, you guys remember in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is in the wilderness. He's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And, and he, he, gets, he goes through what many refer to as the three temptations of Jesus, where Satan shows up and he tempts Jesus three different times. And what's interesting, I would encourage you to go back and study that passage of Scripture because what Satan does is he manipulates the Word of God. He puts a question mark at the end of something that God has already said, which is really what he did in the Garden of Eden with Eve. Did God really say question mark? He does that. Uh, He pulls verses of Scripture out of context, which means that he didn't reveal the full breadth of what God says when he pulls it out of context. And he didn't misquote it, but he misused Scripture. Well, Jesus comes back every single time every single time. And how does he fight Satan? He uses scripture in its proper context every time. He he understands the message. I mean, he is the message. He understands the message. And he fights Satan back by saying, it is written. It is written. It is written every single time. My simple point with this is, if the living word relied on the spoken word to fight the enemy, How much more does that mean we need the spoken word to fight the enemy in our lives? Jesus himself gives us the example. The living word, the logos, gives us the example. Rima, I'm going to fight Satan with the spoken word. What does that mean for me and you? It's so important that you have a quiet time with God. It's so important that you're learning scripture. It's so important that you're digging in the word and studying and finding those nutrients. Some of y'all are like, Man, I just don't know, I, I just can't memorize the Bible. Whatever, man. One time I did an example where we sang like old songs together, and everybody in the whole church like knew all the lyrics to all these songs. I, I, I can't learn scripture. Well, you know, all the lyrics to every Beatles song that was ever written. Y'all know what I mean? You guys are smart. You can study this. You can memorize this. You can hide it in your heart. You can use it as a God in your life. And you can use it when you speak it to fight the enemy and use it as the sword of the Spirit. See, some of you guys, you walked in here this weekend and you're under attack. And I want to give you some examples of how you use your sword of the Spirit and fight the enemy. They don't have to exactly be like this. These are just the ones that I came up with. Some of y'all are here this weekend, and you're like, Satan and his demons are constantly reminding me of my failures. Well, something good to do is to fight a, a spiritual war with spiritual weapons, right? Try instead of all the other things you've tried to do to get your confidence up and all that stuff, try doing something like this instead, speaking out loud. No, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. I am born again. I have freedom in Christ. I am free indeed. And watch what happens in your life. Some of y'all showed up here this weekend and you're like, man, the enemy is attacking my physical health. I've went to doctors, I've done everything I know to do. I'm eating clean, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Well, try this instead. Try saying out loud, Jesus gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. That's one of my life verses. I'm going to trust in God, not in my own understanding. My father is a good God who gives good gifts. What the devil meant for evil, God will use for good. I'm gonna consider it pure joy whenever I face trials of many kind. And watch what happens in your life. Some of y'all showed up here this weekend and you're like, man, the enemy's attacking my family, attacking my marriage, attacking my kids. Well, you need to, instead of trying the things you've tried to fix this, try instead using your sword of the spirit. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm going to worship him fully. My kids are his, not the enemy. My marriage belongs to God and I'm going to lead my kids in the ways of God. I'm going to serve and love my spouse. Does this make sense, guys? You understand the motivation behind this and why this is so powerful? Well, the enemy is telling me that I have no future. I feel like I just, I don't know what I'm gonna do. With God, all things are possible. If God is for me, who can be against me? Listen to this one. Our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. It's talking about glorification. I've told you guys before, what's the worst thing Satan can do to you? Kill you? Well, man, then you get to go to heaven and be with Jesus for eternity. Not a bad deal. Even when we lose, we win. Amen. Start speaking it out loud. My citizenship is not in the United States of America. I'm looking at politics and everybody's losing their friggin' minds. I said friggin', sorry, y'all. <laughs> but I'm not focused on that. I'm focused instead on things above. Speak it out loud. Watch what happens. Watch how your confidence grows. Watch how you get assurance in your salvation and your faith starts to go up and you start to fight these these battles that are taking place in an invisible realm that control everything in the physical realm, how it starts to swing your way. The enemy is telling me my past, reminding me of my past, telling me I'm the same person I always was. I'm the same person I always was. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. The Lord is near. I'm not anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make my request known to God and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Fight the enemy with the offensive weapon that you have been given. I'll close with this. How many of you guys remember the show, The Beverly Hillbillies? Raise your hand. Anybody remember The Beverly Hillbillies? Love that show, right? Old Jed, right? You're young in here. Maybe you hadn't seen it. But do you remember the opening song to that show? You remember that? We've got the lyrics for the screen. We're going to sing it together, and I'm going to lead you all in worship. <laughs> and as we do this, <laughs> as we do this, you're going to see why I'm a preacher and not a worship leader, okay? And you're going to be really thankful for my wife, Brooke, as she leads us in worship. And uh, I want y'all to sing this with me. Now look, I know this is the busiest shopping weekend of the year. Some of y'all are hung over, you had too much eggnog last night, watching home alone real late, all that stuff. But wake up and let's sing this together and let's end this thing good, okay? So we're gonna sing this together. Y'all ready? Say I am. Okay, one, two, three. Come and listen to a story about a man named Jed, a poor mountain deer barely kept his family fed. And then one day he was shooting at some food and up through the ground came a bubbling crude oil, that is, black gold, Texas tea. Well, the first thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire. The Kim folks said, Jed, move away from there. Said California is the place you ought to be. Stop. That'll never happen today, right? Like we ain't moving to California. A lot of y'all are here because you got out of there, okay? So, <laughs> we. Love, I mean, I'm just saying, it's like obviously this is dated, okay? Okay, let's start. Start over. One, two, three. Said California is the place you ought to be, so they loaded up the truck and they moved to Beverly Hills, that is, swimming pools, movie stars, old Jed, man, old Jed. Can't keep his family fed, living in poverty, can't get ahead. The whole time, he's sitting on oil that made him a millionaire. He was a millionaire the whole time, y'all. He just didn't know it. He didn't realize it. He didn't have to live in poverty. They didn't have to starve. Some of y'all need to get this, man. You have a foundation underneath you that is the Word of God. As one theologian said, the verbs that Paul uses when he says, take the sword of the Spirit, that's a strong verb. He says, it's the word of thunder there is take. It's available to you. You're a millionaire and you don't even know it. You don't have to live defeated, you don't have to be a victim. I'm not preaching some prosperity gospel, I'm preaching the Bible. You have a sword of the spirit, an offensive weapon you can use to fight the enemy and win the battles in your life. Train with that sword and keep it active at all times. Speak it out. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice. What an incredible series this has been. A timely series for so many people. This time of year, more depression than ever. Suicide rates go through the roof. And God, I just pray that this series has shown people the hope we have. Yeah, we're going to heaven one day, but God, you've also given us armor and weapons in this life so that so that we can live with joy no matter what is going on. I pray, God, that Rev Church's people would be different and we would understand and grasp spiritual warfare and start to fight Not with the weapons of the world, but with the weapons you give us. I pray specifically, God, as I felt a real burden during this series to pray for every single man under the sound of my voice. That they would step up and put their armor on and be leaders in their home. That they would lead their wives and lead their kids. They would use the sword of the Spirit to speak life into their family and fight the enemy. The schemes are coming to fruition. The day of evil is coming for every single one of us. I pray we know how to fight. We love you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. If you're encouraged by today's message, be sure and rate us and subscribe on iTunes.